Hi, this is Wild Nick Brown, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to your weekly dose of that which we like to call Focus on Metal. And uh, continuing on from uh, where we left off last week is our part two of our uh, retro throwback look at Britney Fox's third studio album, Bite Down Hard. And if you're listening to this um, on iTunes or off of our website then uh, and you haven't heard last week's version of this, then uh, you're going to be a little bit lost. So I would say go backwards, listen to last week's episode, then come into this week's episode. And if you're listening to us at any of our radio partners, come on, you listened to us last week anyway. So why don't we just pick it up where we left off? Released back in uh, 1991, March 27th, 1991, this sucker rolled out. And uh, didn't do nearly as well as was expected to. So again, just like last week, lots of stuff to talk about. We're going to finish up our talk with Johnny D. And from there, we're going to get on the line with uh, the new guy in the band at that point, Tommy Paris, talking about his experience of coming into the band as well and replacing uh, Dizzy Dean. So going to roll back the audio to about a minute from where we left off last week with Johnny and kick into this week's episode right now. Uh, overall, it was pretty smooth. I mean, mm. we went in and didn't fight over much uh, getting shit done, you know. And plus, we were on a schedule. Um, I think it actually got cut a bit short because we went... Uh, we went into the same studio as Ozzy right after he finished the, uh, um, no more tears. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. Blanked out. <laughs> but, um, we got there and we're like, uh, guys, um, sorry, but, uh, we're running behind. Uh, we have a couple issues in the studios. I don't like it. Okay. So, you know, you guys, if you could just chill out for a week or so, you know, We'd really appreciate it, and and you know, feel free to swing by the studio and hang or whatever. You know, we really appreciate you guys being patient while we get through this. And we were like, oh, that sucks. But then we thought, oh, we can go to the studio and fucking watch them mixing. No more tears, you know. And that was a that was unbelievable, man. So we actually went and hung big time with. Uh, with the band, not so much Ozzy. He came by a couple times, and that was a trip in itself. But getting to hear some of that stuff before no one else did, just ripping over the studio monitors and stuff like that was a blast. And we had so much fun with uh, with Randy and Zach and Mike, and we were playing like John Madden football every day and do you know having some parties at john Verdell's place and shit like that and uh it was it was a blast man so mm. we, it, we were you know johnny is that how we were ready to go when we finally hit the hit the studio is, is that why zach wald ended up playing on bite down hard that it just overlapped at the right time yeah pretty much i mean we were you know hanging almost every day we were just like we had nothing else to do so we'd go down the studio and play like 
Sega Genesis or whatever and drink coffee and just like shoot the shit or, you know, so Michael and Zach started talking about gear and whatnot. And then, you know, like just the natural thing was to say, dude, we should just fucking play a solo on the record or something. And that's how that happened. And yeah. And then I invited uh, Ricky Rocket down to do some percussion break and because I knew he had gear and he was close by and obviously John and Dwayne had done the, the poison record so everybody was sort of tight so um, it was a good hang we made the best of it hmm. now you've nine original songs on it and Midnight Moses is the cover um, did you want the cover did you want the cover song on the record because surely you would have worked up more than nine songs before you went in that this is a new band. You, you wanted it all to be in a, all original songs. Maybe you didn't really want a cover version. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, my guess is that, uh, you know, cause we had a cover on every record before that we, you know, sort of were continuing that little thing, you know, but, um, yeah, it also would have taken a song out of, you know, out of the record, which um, at this time, I don't remember, probably was something worthy of being on there, you know, but it might have been another ballad or something that uh, was maybe the top of the list. And we thought, eh, you know, one is good enough. Let's just do, you know, let's do that song. But uh, honestly, I don't remember how that one it was always a favorite of ours and it actually, you know, from the whole area where we grew up, you know, that one was always played by a lot of the local bands and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that just kind of came out. I don't remember if it was because there was a lack of, of another great song or if it was, like I said, that we wanted to just continue what we had done on the first two albums. Mm. Johnny, how nervous were you when the album came out? Because for a lot of people, knew you know the front man's gone, the main songwriter's gone. You, have, you still have the name, three guys in the band that played on the first two albums. Were you really nervous about how it was going to be received? Were you excited? Can you remember? I, well, I don't think there was any nervousness. I think we were basically so fucking relieved to to get it out there and that we were so happy with how it came out and what, you know, we were just kind of buzzing on the whole, you know, we got a, a sort of a renewed energy from the whole situation, even though it, it started out as a, a major bummer. Uh, we sort of like just were psyched to have the opportunity to, um, to write and just be part of all of it, you know, from the ground up all together, you know, that was the best thing was that we were working as a band, which we had always wanted to do, but it was always like a miserable experience, you know, mm. in the beginning. So it was just awesome. And we weren't nervous at all, but uh, I think in, if we were nervous, it was just because of the, the, the phase of the business that was starting to sort of seep in, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and it was a little bit of a long break in between. So we thought, you know, shit, we maybe lost some momentum here and there. But, uh, at that time, that early on, we didn't really consider it. You know, we were just excited to get it out there and to see what would happen. 
Mm, I believe they picked Louder as the, the first single from the record. Was that a yeah. song that you guys would have picked as the first single? Um, I think so, yeah. I mean, that was one of the first songs that we had for the record, and it was always a strong, just a good kick-ass, you know, rock song with a good anthemic chorus. And, uh, yeah, so I think that was, um, didn't want to come out with, you know, there was a couple songs in there where there were, you know, what you could say a bit more radio friendly, but we really just wanted to come out and, and, you know, because the second album sort of really kind of stick we didn't really feel the pressure of, you know, that we did with uh, Boys and Heat because we come off of, uh, you know, a close to a platinum record with the first one and then having all that pressure with Boys and Heat and that basically tanked, you know, it really didn't even sell half mm-hmm. of what the first, you know, probably not even a quarter of what the first one did. So we had already felt all that sort of like, uh, nervousness during that whole and heat period when things were kind of going down. So we felt with Bite Down Hard like we couldn't go down any further. We could only go up from there, you know? Yeah. Um, who, who did you go out on the road with to promote Bite Down Hard? Can you remember? Uh, we, man, we had a couple um Let's see, we really went directly out into clubs again, and uh, we had, I think, a band called Smash Gladys out with us, and mm-hmm. they, were, um, they were friends of our sound guy. I don't remember if they were from Ohio or not, but they had just put a record out, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if we had probably had a lot of local openers and stuff like that as well. It wasn't really like a, a package that kind of stayed together for a long period of time, or um, I'm not, I can't recall any other bands that were really like of our you know, level. It would have been cool to have like two bands that were kind of at the same level to really like make sure that we would draw people and, and, uh, and, you know, do some good business but you know like I said the things were really changing quickly and uh, you know it was we still had some good shows but it was apparent that uh, you know things weren't going as great as they were you know just even like a year and a half or two years before that so it was it was rough mm. like I've talked to a lot of people about that time with the change in the music scene and was that something that you got, Johnny, yourself, that you heard from the label, or did you just tur- was it something you're in you're in your hotel room, you put on MTV, you see all the all the videos they're playing, like was it something you saw outside the label, or was it someone in the label that actually told you that the scene uh, yeah, was over? We definitely, we saw it all happening. I mean, because we had had, I mean, first of all, we saw it with you know, sort of. This, the cycle of boys and heat that we were promoting, um, you know, in clubs and not in arenas anymore. And it was like, even though that wasn't really our choice, we saw, you know, even bigger tours starting to suffer, you know, like there were no 
uh, wasn't a lot of sellouts and arenas and um, stuff like that. So when we, you know, finished with Dean, I mean, we're all sitting at home for quite a while and we're kind of like, you know, uh, being fans again and just sort of like observing what was going on. And obviously I was probably sitting at home when, you know, the Nirvana video blasted. Mm. MTV and stuff like that. So, you know, we all knew what was what was going on out there. It wasn't really the label. I think the label were too busy shitting their knickers over uh, what they were going to do with all the fucking, you know, hair bands or, or, you know, sort of commercial rock bands that they'd signed and they better start signing up some, you know, some heavier shit. Even the the band that we had out with us that I mentioned, they were, I remember the singer had like dreadlocks and shit. So it's like starting to cross over into that heavier new metal sort of thing or like, a, you know, more just all these different off, offshoots blending in. People were so confused. They didn't know whether to wear fucking flannel shirts yeah. or or you know, uh, shorts or, you know, whatever kind of hair you were going to have, shave your head or have dreadlocks or fucking, I mean, it was like, it was crazy. Yeah, but you, you go, was like, Johnny, you guys, are, you, you guys have done the glam thing. Like you look in the, the, the pictures on the first record, like, and then compare them to the pictures in Bite Down Hard. There's a huge difference. Like a lot of the a lot of the bands from the late eighties that did did done the glam, the likes of Poison, yourself, Cinderella, you know, you'd all tone down the look anyway. And yet yeah. be, because of that look that you had a few years previously, they just all of a sudden you were lumped into that and, and your career was basically over. Yeah, pretty much. I mean we you know, we did we just you know, dialed it back a bit, but that was only just like a natural progression, you know, for us to try to keep, keep some elements there, you know, but it was really like, uh, like you said, you know, it was, it was happening all over and there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it. Mm. Who, who in the band took it the worst when the album didn't do well? Like, uh, there probably would have been a lot of pressure on Tommy being the new guy. But did one of you guys take it really bad that it, it, it this album didn't happen? Um, I don't... I mean, I think personality-wise, everybody sort of did their own version of being disappointed, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whether that was fucking drinking yourself into a stupor or, you know taking some uh, antidepressants or just like, you know, hey, what happened, you know, what'll happen now? You know, we got any fucking riffs. Should we do another record? Um, but I don't know who would have taken it the worst. I mean, maybe Michael, because he was there, you know, he was the, I guess, the, the catalyst for the beginning of the band. You know, he came from Cinderella and all that and, and got, you know, basically fired from that band and, and had another shot to be back in it with Dean and Brittany. And then, you know, for it to all kind of come, you know, to go up high and then to crash down like that only within a few years, three albums in. And it was like, shit, you know, what do we do now? I think maybe Michael took it 
the hardest. But, mm. you know, I think we were all we were all bummed out. Mm. Johnny, just got a couple of questions before I leave you go. Uh, where do you rank Bite Down Hard in the catalogue? Um, for me, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say it's tied for first. You know, I can't really say. I mean, I think, you know, the first album is what it is because it put us on the map and it, uh, you know, that, that is Britney Fox. That's, that was the blueprint and that was what, you know, what got our name out there and what, you know, what we presented actually seemed to work. You know, it was like a band with a, with a bit of a, you know, um, a theme to itself, you know, a lot of bands were struggling with how to, to break in, you know what I mean? You had to have your own little sort of niche of something. Now, whether it was frilly shirts or just the ACDC type meets kiss anthems and, uh, screaming lead singer or whatever it was, that was, that was it. I mean, that was the one. So I would say bite down hard for me is either tied with first or a close second. And the reasons for being my favorite all in all is just because of all the things that we just talked about and having so much more to do with everything, every aspect of it, uh, rather than just, you know, playing drums to what Dean said, Oh, well, I wrote that beat, you know, I was in my bedroom five years ago and it was like, dude, you know, okay, great. But like, I'm the drummer now. So like, let's just fucking be a band, you know, not <laughs> yeah. talk about what we did when we were, you know, uh, whatever by ourselves and, and dreaming of a band or what, like, this is the band now, like, let's do what we got to do together now, you know? So bite down hard was much more of a band effort and um i'm real proud of that one because i i mean i think it's still listenable because you know the vocals are miles better you know from a listening standpoint and um it may not have the the songs or the or the vibe of the first album but it definitely has something of its own that that's really um that kicks ass. Yeah. So, so Johnny, are you still in touch with Billy, Tommy, and Michael at all? Um, well, Michael, uh, sort of after we sort of reunited around 2000 or so. And, um, we had, um, put a live album out and then we had a obligation to do another studio record. And, uh, so from that time, uh, we were all sort of like reassessing what was possible with the band. And it was like pretty early on. It was before a lot of these cruises came up and a lot of these festivals and opportunities for, you know, 80s bands to sort of like get back in the game. Uh, so Michael was kind of burnt on touring even back then. And he... Uh, pretty much said like you know look i'll do whatever but i really don't want to go on the road for long and and you know be in a van or whatever it may be i got a lot of guitar students i don't want to screw my business up i want to be closer to home so you know you guys want to get somebody in to play for me that'd be cool and uh let's just try to keep it going you know so 
um, we did another, gave it another shot, and we realized that there was just no, not a lot of opportunities for us to play. It wasn't like now where you can go out and do gigs every weekend at a casino or, like I said, a cruise or festival. There was just not enough happening to to keep us going and Billy always argued the fact that like he wanted to just go in the, on the road and stay out there for as long as possible didn't really give a shit where we played or you know what was happening as long as we were out there working and um, for me I was probably somewhere in the middle Tommy you know the same but as far as staying in touch with everyone we kind of stayed in touch from from that point forward until billy pulled a move with uh with the name of the band and just figured like well look nobody wants to do anything with it i'm gonna go out and basically be britney fox you know and the rest of us were like what the fuck you know and tommy went along with it and that was pretty fucked up so we entered the the realm of the bands that, you know, started to fight over the name and, you know, how many versions of the name are going to be out there touring. And I just, I didn't want anything to do with any of that. Um, At that stage, stage, Johnny, you were already with Doro anyway. So the Britney Fox Fox thing would have been like when you can fit it in. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of the reason Billy did it was because he figured you're so busy with Doro anyway, you know, I'm going to go out and I got to make a living too, which is all fine and good, but he actually didn't tell me until he put it all together. And <laughs> up, you know, so, you know, if we, again, if we would have had like really like good communication, uh, we could have discussed it and I could have like literally helped it along and been part of a, a reunion, you know, but that didn't happen until like 2016. Actually, it was like forever until we gave it another shot. And it was like all of a sudden we had the bike down heart line up together again. We wanted to do that. And Michael was still not really in, you know, as far as touring and stuff. So we got another guy to fill in for Mike and we did some cool stuff, but, um, did the monsters of rock cruise and we did some festivals and, uh, some club dates. And I felt like, you know, this could actually work this time, you know? And, um, but again, sort of the thing was when, when Dean left and we had like all this sort of camaraderie, um, eventually because of all the, you know, the hard times that we were facing, you know, all these old things start to creep up and, and people just like, uh, you know, resent each other and start talking about shit that happened 10 years ago. And, you know, Hey man, you, you know, you borrowed three grand and didn't fucking pay it back. And it's and that it was like fucking hell, you know, and then you stop talking to each other cause you don't want to fucking deal with it. And then the next thing you know, we were after, you know, this reunion thing from 2016 just kind of went nowhere. And then we just stopped talking to each other. And I, I continued to talk to Tommy um, and Michael completely went off the face of the, of the map. He was like unreachable and Billy, uh, just, you know, not really didn't want to talk to him cause he was just miserable. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I haven't talked to any of those guys in quite a while now. Hmm. Johnny, Probably like two years or so. Yeah, final question. Um, what are you yeah. doing musically now? Is it Doro music you're working on? Uh, yeah, I mean, Doro's always busy, and whether it's with the band or without the band, she's kind of, you know, she'll be working with a producer or her songwriting partner and always putting stuff together. We just put a uh, an album out like two years ago and, and we're touring before all this other shit went down. Mm. So now we're all dealing with the COVID uh, crisis and uh, all this downtime that nobody really planned for. So people are, you know, as you know, doing all kinds of different shit to get themselves through the, the time. But uh, we do have dates lined up for this year, later in the year, but I'm just like praying that they happen, but I'm not counting on it. But I've actually just been, uh, you know, it's sort of a blessing in disguise because I've, I've actually been able to be home for my son's yeah. early, early years, you know, yep. which is like irreplaceable. You know, I would hate to have to miss, you know, a week, let alone three, four months of of a kid that's like a year old or, or two. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So much shit happening every day. It's like I'm just loving being a dad right now. Mm. Johnny, are you out there on social media? Do you want do you want uh, do you want to give yeah. out all the sites that people can get in touch with you? Absolutely, I'm on Facebook, um, Johnny D Drums, or you know, uh, I think D Drums on Twitter and D Drums on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me if you want to send me a message. I usually check in with everybody when I can. Mm. One of the things I love about since I've done this show and I'm doing it about eight years now, I grew up on, I grew up on all these records and to have an opportunity to actually pick the brains of the guys that played on them is personally for me, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. Some guys can't remember a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm I'm there as well. It's hard to remember a lot of shit. Yeah. But Johnny, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and and thanks for giving me so much of your time. So I appreciate it because I, I actually really, I mean, I'm a fan as well. And there's a lot of bands that, uh, you know, sort of the Britney Foxes of my time, which were like back, you know, late seventies and stuff, bands that never really, you know, exploded as big as Kiss or something. And I just I'm reading this book on Angel right now and they're a band that I fucking loved and I saw like two or three times. Is that Martin Pop is that Martin Popoff's book? Right. Yeah. 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 I know Martin. So I mean I'm a huge fucking Angel fan. So like to me, bands like that and guys like you getting stories out there is, is essential. And so like, I'm so thankful for that. So yeah. And when people want to talk about Brittany Fox, it's the same thing. I just think about, you know, myself and what I, you know, the bands that I remember. And I know there's people out there that, you know, Brittany Fox was a part of their early years. And that's, that's fucking awesome, man. I love to talk about it. Mm. Well, Johnny, I'm going to leave you go. It's been a pleasure. Take care of yourself. All right, man. Thanks so much. And, and yeah, jo- let me know when uh, when that comes out, or you know, I, it'll be a, it, it. yeah, it'll be a few it'll be a few weeks because uh, yeah, you know, we're on a break at the moment because of the COVID. We take we normally take January yeah. off anyway. Um, yeah, been a pleasure. 
enjoy the time. Right, with, enjoy the time with your kid. Only happens. Yeah, only only happens. Only happens once. All right, Johnny. Yeah. Take care of yourself. All right. Mate. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey everyone, this is KK Downing, formerly of Judas Priest, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. So crank it up as loud as you can. All right, no time to waste. Why don't we dive right into Richie's chat with the new guy in the band, singer Tommy Paris. Hey, Richie. How you doing? Good. How are you, bro? I'm okay. So uh, where in the U.S. are you? Uh, I'm in Nevada. Okay, okay. I'm just outside of Boston. Oh, right on. How is it? You got snow there? Um, we're going to get more tomorrow, but yes, we have snow. We always get snow at this time of the year. Okay, at the time that Richie recorded this, yeah, we were expecting snow the next day. Right now, at the time that I'm mixing this... It's about 70, so it's a little bit better than it was. Just don't want you thinking that, uh, yeah, as crazy as New England weather is, that we've getting snow uh, tomorrow, because uh, we're not. Do you ski or snowboard? No, no, no. I'm Irish. We don't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you, keep, you keep your feet proudly planted on the floor. Yeah, my son and my daughter, I've got a 10-year-old son and a 5-year-old daughter, and because I'm living over here now, we started... They started doing snowboarding and skiing, and they've done one or two lessons. I've already said they're all already better than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Ricky. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get into the the Bite Down Hard album. is tur- is 30 years old. I spent about an hour and 20 minutes with Johnny D about two or three weeks ago talking about it. He was I've had Johnny on before. He was really good, and he gave me your contact information and. The reason I want you on is you're the new guy in the band. Um, and we'll get we'll get into all of that. Is Bite Down Hard an album that you get asked a lot about? Yeah, I do actually. Okay, so let's go. Let's talk a little bit be- about before you got into Britney Fox. Uh, what band were you in just prior to joining Britney Fox? I was in my own band called Jelson, and we were in Las Vegas at the time with an album out and we were shopping to get a record deal. And how did you find out that Britney Fox were looking for a singer? I had a mutual friend, this girl singer, she was in another band and she gave me a trade magazine that had an ad in it that said Britney Fox was looking for a D singer. Okay. And you were obviously aware of who the band were. You'd, you'd seen them on MTV and heard their music. Yeah. So tell me about the audition. Like, did you send in a tape with, with what songs were on the tape? How did all that happen? Well, I, I got a hold of their management. It was it was a power star manager, Brian Kushner, uh-huh. was their manager. Yeah, Brian Kushner was their manager at the time. I sent him a copy of the album that we were shopping around, the Jelson album, and then waited to waited to hear from him. And I spent uh, I spent every day for about seven days in a row leaving him a message, reminding him that I'd sent that in and I was looking forward to hearing from him. I just bothered him to death. And then he eventually well, just called you back. And wh- where did you have to go to uh, to audition? I went to Philly and then I believe actually might have auditioned in New Jersey. And I'm not sh- not quite sure. It was one of the two places. I'm not, I think it could have been actually, let's see, where were we at? Uh, I'm not sure. They were all, uh, Johnny was living in Conshohocken. I think Billy was too. Mike was in Norristown. So it was probably somewhere in PA. Okay. I don't quite remember. Did the Jilson guys know that you were going to audition for Britney Fox? No. <laughs> How did they find out? Well, I, um, when, when, when I got a hold of Brian, finally got back to me, said that 
if I could fly myself out, the band wanted to audition me. So at that time, I, I told, well, it was mainly me and the drummer, Jamie Borden. It was, uh, it was our band. And so I basically, I was just, I just told him. He, uh, obviously, you know, he was, he was upset, but at the time I was completely broke and he paid for my airline ticket so I could go audition. So he's just a golden, golden dude. Wow. Wow. Had you auditioned for many other bands before then? No, I uh, I was kind of caught in a rut playing a lot of cover tunes from the time I got out of high school up until I'd always written songs, but I always was playing in cover bands. And then in that cover band, I would try to get some of my songs recorded. But at the time, I had an audition for anybody else because I just started my own bands. So basically, besides the cover bands, I auditioned for different cover bands, but never for anything that was all original or anything that had been successful. Oh. So what made you audition for Britney Fox then? Because I know you said that someone showed you the the magazine article that they were looking for a singer, but I'm sure you would have seen other ones over the years saying that other different bands were looking for singers. What made the Britney Fox one appeal to you? Well, Richard, to be honest with you, I, I really never heard of anybody else looking for a singer. Okay. Um, I, if, if I'm sure there were. But I, I was I was concentrating on doing my own music, my own band. So I was I had tunnel vision for that. So uh, the Britney Fox news that they were looking for a singer came completely out of the blue. I was I was uh, wasn't looking for it at all. But this friend that gave me the trade magazines told me you really should check this out. And I let it sit for probably a couple of weeks before I decided to go ahead and do that. You know, when they asked you to go in an audition. Can you remember what songs they asked you to learn? Yeah, all the main ones, of course. Girl School, Long Way to Love. And then anything else they said that I felt like singing. So we did we did some other songs from the first record. We also did some stuff from uh, Boys in Heat. Yeah, just they, they were just they were pretty cool about whatever I felt like doing. But obviously the main ones they wanted to hear first, you know. At that stage, do you know, had they auditioned a lot of other people before you? They told me that they, after I auditioned, they still had more to go. They had a... Right after me, uh, Ricky Rocket from Poison had a guy from L.A. that he wanted them to audition, and they did uh, after I had auditioned. So I was waiting on that, and that was—I think—that was close to the end of how many of the guy, all the guys they were auditioning. I think they auditioned quite a few. Now, when you played with with the guys in the band, did you play with the, with the other three guys, or did you just play with with Michael or, or 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 Billy, or was it all four of you in the room playing at the same time? Yeah, it's all four. Okay. And how did you think you did at the time when you were finished? Did you think you nailed it? I thought I did, actually. Okay. I really prepared, I prepared like, uh, really prepared to, to do it and to, to to do it well so that I could show them that I could uh, play their stuff. Uh, but we had, that's, that had nothing to do with like any new music, so we hadn't even gotten to that yet. But as far as being able to cover the stuff that they did before... Um, I wanted to show that I was able to do that, so I oh. really prepared. Did the other guys say anything to you when the audition was over? Anything in their body language that maybe hinted to you that you had a good chance of getting the gig? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, All I remember was when I was leaving at the airport, I said to them, hey, you guys, uh, good luck with the rest of your auditions. Uh, it was awesome to meet you, and... Um, if I, if I don't see you again, it, it was, it was a fun time. Thank you so much. And Mike gave me a really hearty handshake. 
So I thought I thought at least maybe they they liked me, but I didn't really know for sure that they were going to pick me. In fact, I I thought the guy that Ricky was going to send them was probably going to get it because um, I don't know. I just I had no idea what they were thinking to be honest with you. And how long did they make you hang before they told you? It was at least a few weeks. Okay. And um, who called you? Uh, Brian did, their manager. And you, you didn't make him wait a week and keep hounding him <laughs> like no, you did? I, I, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I wasn't hounding him at, at that point. I knew, I knew they were auditioning other guys, so I just figured I'd just wait to hear. You know, I, to be honest with you, I didn't even expect to hear from him. Tell me about the phone call. He just called and said, this is Brian, Brittany Fox manager. You've got the job if you wanted. It was, it was as simple as that. Well, it was a little bit later because they, after the, after their, uh, the guy they auditioned after me, they invited me to come out and write some new songs. So we kind of switched from being able to do the older material to what we could come up with for a new album. So I went, they, they had me come, but they flew me back that time. And I spent a week with them writing songs. Okay. And then I still hadn't, I still didn't have the gig officially at that time. So I went, I went back to, to Vegas and wrote uh, melodies and lyrics over music that Johnny and Michael and Billy had for me. They sent me back with music and uh, with no lyrics and no melodies. And I wrote on that stuff. And then I sent it to them. After they heard the stuff that I sent to them, that's when Brian called me and said that if I wanted the gig, that they wanted to have me. Straight away, did you say yes, or did you have any reservations about it? No, I said yes right away. Okay. One of the things that Johnny said to me when I when I spoke to him, that it was very important that the, the guy that came into the band after Dean, that they got on really well with him as a per- personally because of what happened before. And he said that all you guys booked a house, stayed in the house, got to know each other, pretty well before he actually went in and recorded. Was that true? That yes. That was. We were we were all together in an apartment with the downstairs and upstairs was a sixteen track recording studio where we worked. And yet we spent a lot of time together. Okay. And looking back on it now, how beneficial do you think that was? Oh, I think it was priceless because we had time to we we actually had they they actually said they would wanted to get it going sooner than they did um just because they wanted to get another record out sooner and sooner would have been better but it was priceless i think to be able to have spent that much time and try out a bunch of material and um kind of a luxury mm. really you know yeah did you ever get a sense when you were writing with them that the other guys were really motivated for this record because all the focus on the the, the albums before were like Dean wrote everything and he'd left now that the, the other three guys were really motivated this time to prove that they could they could do an album themselves oh absolutely yeah it was um, everybody had their own kind of track they were on all four of us individually and then as a group and I think it was a it was a time of some turmoil because it was kind of uncharted territory. So everyone was uh, I, I don't have a word to describe it. Everyone was steadfast and very focused. Uh, wanted this thing to have every chance it could be to to uh, work. You know. So tell me about the other three guys in the band: Johnny, Michael, uh, and Billy. How different are they as people? Are they very similar? Uh, we're we're all we're all four of us are different in a lot of ways, but. All four of us share a lot of similarities that made it work. 
So, you know, it, no, no, no four people are going to be identical. So, you know, we didn't agree on every single thing, but the main thing we shared was the music that we had all listened to when we were growing up and the music that we loved. And surprisingly, a lot of seventies rock we shared uh, uh, a love for, but, um, yeah, we are all pretty pretty different when it comes to things outside of music, you know. Mm. And that's something I think living together, you know, you, you you find all the good things and the bad things, and you work through them before you actually get in and record. Exactly. Yeah. So you had Dwayne Barron, John Perdell, produce and engineer this. Do you remember were there any other names being bandied about to work on the record before those two got the gig? Yeah, there were um, Howard Benson. We did one song with him for a, a Nintendo soundtrack. It was a it was a multi artist release. It's called White Knuckle Score, and and we're on that album with a bunch of other bands: Roy Orbison, Sheena Easton, Crosby, Stills and Nash. But we got a song on there, and Howard Benson produced it. And so his name was thrown about, but uh, but his, his name was thrown about before we did that song with him. Because when we did that song with him, we were actually in the middle of recording with John and Dwayne. But um, I think, I can't remember his name, but a Wexler, it was Jeff Wexler. Um, a couple other names, I'm not sure. Okay. But, um, yeah, because when I spoke to Johnny, they'd already worked with Neil Kernan, and his, his name was one that wasn't really brought up to do this one. So I, I, they, mustn't, they mightn't have had a great experience working with Neil on, on Boys and Heat. Yeah, I think that record sounds awesome, but I think... I think um, I'm not sure what it was. I'm not sure what it was. That's not that, that really record. If you put it on a good system, man, it, it's powerful. It sounds really good. It's maybe a little less raw than the first one. Uh, as far as, you know, the first one's like more raw and but the second one's a little more polished, but it sounds pretty beefy. I, I liked how that one turned out, you know. Now, now, the writing on this, you you have co-writes on all of the original songs on it. And you wrote with the other guys either together or separate. Um, did you prefer writing with Michael or, or with Billy? Did you find it easier working with one or the other? No, they just, they wrote different. Um, but I liked writing with both of them. Okay. Of all the songs on this, what was the hardest one to write? Hardest one to write? Yeah. Was the one that you, you know, when you were writing it, you were like, I think I'll drop this. And then you went back to it. And then, no, I think I'll drop it. And maybe you went back to it. That it took a long time to finish. As far as the writing, um, I think I think we're all about equal equal level of difficult. To be honest with you, nothing stands out as being any tougher than any of the other ones. You know. Okay. Now, when you went into the studio to record the album, how much studio experience did you have prior to this? I had a lot. I'd been recording in studios since I was in high school, and then I got out of high school and started moving up into bigger commercial facilities. I remember at one time I was recording in Chico, California, a big college town, a place called Ashland Recording. And it was an eight track studio, which was just, you know, out of this world at the time for us. Because, you know, we were recording live, right live to to tape with the, everything mic'd up, just no, no, no multi-track. So anyway, after Ashland, I kept moving up and I started working in a 24 track recording studio in Vegas called RMS Recording. And I was an assistant engineer on a lot of big sessions, other types of stuff, not so much rock, but like uh, Dion Warwick and the Four Seasons and Paul Anka and stuff like that. So by the time we got there, I was doing all the engineering upstairs on the 16 track. Nice. How much pre-production did you do on the record? 
I don't quite remember. I believe we might have been in a rehearsal studio with John and Dwayne, but I, to be honest, I really can't remember. Okay. And did they give their ideas for the songwriting on many of the songs, or did they more or less leave them as they were? You talk about John and Dwayne? Yeah. They they had a few. They they weren't they didn't change a lot of stuff crazy. They they would add third verses to songs that only had two. They would uh suggest a different lyric here and there, they suggest a, a melody change, you know, um but not not a crazy amount of songwriting input. You mm. know, just a little bit here and there, yeah. Yeah. Did you stay for the whole recording or did you wait until it was time for you to do your parts? Like did you want to see the experience of actually doing the whole thing? Uh, we were at one-on-one in in Hollywood, um, one-on-one studios, and I was there for all the tracking. I think the tracking took ten days. I don't quite remember, but we were all all four playing together, and I was singing a scratch vocal. So I was there for all of that, and then as we got into overdubs, I was there for some of it, not all of it. Okay. So who was the one that worked with you on the vocals? Was it was it all John, or did Dwayne give his input as well? Dwayne gave a little, but it was mainly John. Okay. In what way did he do it? Like, was he the guy that put his arm around you and encouraged you, or was there sometimes that he bark at you? Uh, Dwayne barked. John uh, put his arm around me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got I got good cop, bad cop going from those two. But uh, no, they were John was John was really encouraging. He um, he would suggest a few lyrics and a few melody changes, but in general, he was just there. Uh, mainly just getting me to do a good performance, and he was, he was really supportive with that, you know. Mm. Back then, were you someone who warmed up beforehand? Did you have a technique to warm up, or did you just go into the studio and sing? I, I did a little bit of warm-up, but it was always when we were recording. I would start recording, and then the first few passes would be the warm-up, and they wouldn't be... I couldn't keep any of that stuff, but I was I was lit, and I was getting the, the cue mix for myself up during all that so it's kind of like doing a bunch of things at once but by the time we'd pass through the song a few times i would be pretty warm you know mm-hmm. now one of the things johnny did say was that ozzy's band were in the studio now and again because the overlap i think between no more tears and your record and and that that the two guys john and Dwayne, were working on no more tears did you remember hanging out with zach wilde and, and the ozzy's band Oh yeah, we had a lot of fun times going up to his house and partying there. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And he, that's how Johnny said Zach got to play on Six Guns Loaded. Oh yeah, it was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have a favorite song on this record? Yes, I do. Okay. It's closer to your love. Okay. Um. Why that song? Because that that song was the song that I fought for uh, to, to get on the record. Uh, I really heard it as a great song, and no one else did. Everyone else thought it was just okay, you know. And everything. so I, I was, uh, I was really steadfast. I really wanted that on the record because I could hear how I wanted it to turn out. And it's also to me that song is a perfect example of uh, mixing me into Britney Fox and still retaining everything they were about but then adding me is like it's a I, I think that's like the perfect blend at that time of all four of us mm. now there's nine originals on the record and 
Johnny says you pro- you probably wrote more than that. Um, can you remember? Did you write what twelve, fifteen, maybe twenty songs? Did you finish them? Oh, we wrote. Geez, we probably wrote fifty, sixty songs. Um, wow. Some weren't worth mentioning. They were just you know some were, didn't turn out well. But we were we were really reaching, trying to trying to have enough to pick from. So yeah, we were writing like crazy. Mm. So who, who's if you had enough songs, whose idea was it then to pick Midnight Moses to cover? I think that was uh, Michael's idea. Okay. Was it a unanimous yes to do it if you had enough songs? I don't think so. Okay. So how did you feel about it? Uh, initially, I, re- I really wasn't into it. I, I It was hard for me to figure out how to put myself in it for a performance. So I felt like um, when we first came up that we were going to do it, I'm like, what the hell am I going to do in this song, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, they pick louder as the first single, and I asked Johnny, did he think that 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 would be the first single to represent the record? And he said yes. Did, we, did you feel the same way that that was the song that you should lead off the record with as a single? Um, I wasn't sure. I really wasn't. I I was. I think I was interested in having Six Guns be the first song out. But, okay. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure. I, I liked Louder, but I think I was just kind of oblivious to how 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 good it was or not. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure. Mm. How did you feel about the record when you heard it the first time, the way it sounded and all the effort that went into it? Did you think you'd achieved what you wanted to achieve? Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah. Um, it still wasn't, it still, until it actually came out, it still was kind of like, Okay, well it's done and it sounds really good, but you know we'll we got got to wait for the next phase here to to go out and play it live and stuff. So it was it while it, it felt awesome that we had done that, there was so much more to go that it was wasn't like a a massive celebration. You know, it was just like okay, sounds great, it has to sound great. Here we go now. The next phase we got to figure out you know where we're going to go play and all that. So there's so much going on that. Um, it wasn't. It that it didn't feel like a, a final, a final victory or anything. Mm. Did you do a live show with Britney Fox before you actually went into the studio for this? Even a warm up show in a in a small club or anything? Yeah, we did. We actually played. We we actually did a string of dates in one of the Carolinas, like five nights, and then we also played. One night we played a, like a five song set up at Lamore's. I think that was in Brooklyn. I can't remember somewhere in New York. And um, yeah, we did probably about seven shows or so, maybe. Okay, okay. So, can you remember your first show you played with Britney Fox? First live show? I, yeah, I think it was. I think it was in Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I I can't remember the name of the club that we were in, but um. Uh, that's where I, but I met my wife to be that night. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, nice. Um, so the record comes out, and of course, at that time, nineteen ninety one, you know what happens. Um, who were you? Who were you out on tour with in the beginning? Did you go out? Did you try and go out with bigger names, or, or did you try and go out yourselves as headliners and do clubs? We mainly did headliners in clubs, but we played with Kicks for a bit, and um, 
don't remember any other names uh, at that time. It's mainly it, Kicks. We play with Kicks. Okay. And how soon into the touring cycle did you get a sense that the whole musical climate was changing? Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was hard to tell when I, I was just focused on doing what we were doing. So I, I didn't, I wasn't really paying attention to that much. And it was till a little bit later, you know, hmm. um, obviously t- toward the end, it, toward the end, it was a little more apparent, you know, I, I think we got seven months out of touring. I can't remember. I think it was maybe seven months. Okay. Okay. And was there any strained relationships in the band because of all of that or? Did you all bond even closer together? I think everybody was on the same page, if I remember correctly. I, I don't remember a ton of strife. Okay. Okay. So, so t- Tommy, what 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 are you doing now musically? Um, like, do you? I know you've done Britney Fox shows a few years ago, and Johnny and me talked a little bit about that. But you know, what are you doing now musically yourself? band-wise or writing music or are you producing bands yeah i'm uh i'm writing the new i'm actually recording a new album i'm getting close to being done tracking it and then we'll start mixing um i wrote i wrote about i wrote a bunch of songs and i picked the, the best 16 and i've been recording those for the last bunch of months and i have two songs to go to finish on vocals and then it's time to mix it so I'm really looking forward to that. That's really exciting. I'm also playing in a band called Count 77. Um, are you familiar with the television show called Counting Cars? I am. Okay. Uh, the host's named Danny Count Coker. Uh, he's the lead singer in a band called Count 77, and I play keyboards and sing vocals in that band with him. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so I'm doing that. We've been on hi- we've been on hiatus, of course, this last year, as you know. But um, we've played all over the U.S. and Canada, and it's 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 a real fun band to play in. So yeah, that's that's what I've been doing recently. Nice, nice. So, do you still keep in touch with the other guys in Britney Fox, or have you lost contact with a lot of them? Uh, here and there, I haven't talked to Mike in the longest. Um, but I, I tried to contact him through a mutual friend because I haven't talked to him for so many years, but I haven't heard from him in so long. But I, I talked to, to Billy and Johnny a bit more. Yeah, I think Michael just completely went off the radar when it comes to the music business. So. He, he just, like, disappeared. Yeah, I think so. It's, you know, probably happily. But, um, <laughs> all I, basically, basically, the thing is I, I just want to contact him to let him know that... Uh, after having done Britney a bunch of years without him and having to have guitar players come in to cover his guitar playing, uh, just to tell him what a fucking monster guitar player he is because everyone we've ever had in, it's just, it's glaringly obvious what Mike brought to the table trying to get somebody to, to cover his playing. I, I think for a while, Tommy, he was doing guitar lessons. Um, I don't know if he's doing that anymore, though. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Johnny lives in Germany now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Billy I haven't contacted to to do this because I figured I'd get Johnny on as the the older guy, the old guy in the band, and then I always wanted to talk to you being the new guy that came in 
to replace the the front man. So, you know, I've I've really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, me too, Richie. Yes. I appreciate it. So, is there any any do you have any social media sites where people can, you know, buy your music? Do you have merch? And do you have any of that stuff? Yeah, everything's through my website, uh, TommyParis dot com, and I have uh, Instagram and Twitter, and um, so yeah, I'll be uh, when I get this new album mixed, and I'm gonna sort out how I'm gonna get it out, and then I'll put a new band together and go out and start playing gigs. So I'm really looking forward to getting out playing live again. Yeah, when is the last time you played stuff from Bite Down Hard live, either on either solo or or with with Britney Fox? I played, I put out an album a few years ago called Tommy Paris Band, and it was, it was like, uh, it was designed to accompany the Britney Fox material, mm-hmm. and it worked really well. Yeah, it worked really well, and um, we'll probably still play some of that in the future, but we did gigs with uh, George Lynch, opening for George Lynch, and um, we played some Bite Down Hard stuff in, probably like in two years ago, uh, and it, it it's really fun. It's really fun. We we play a little bit less of the older older stuff when I'm doing it with my solo band, but we did a lot from Bite Down Hard. I think, I think we did like four songs from there. I can't remember, but yeah, those are fun to play. Yeah, you hear a lot of bands now. They'll they'll say they'll have to tune down in order for the singer to sing those songs. Can you still sing the songs the way they were recorded? You've no no issues with your voice. Yeah, I can if. Uh, if I sort it out, there's like a certain, there's a cer- certain way to do uh, the lines. Uh, but I know that I had a lot more wind in me back then. So I have to kind of like figure it out, like how we're going <laughs> to, yeah. how am I going to get the air? Cause, cause back then the goal was to sing as high and as heavy as possible. And so some of that stuff's a bitch to pull off. Lines, I t- but I, I'll, I'll I, tell you, I, I spoke, I've spoken to a couple of artists from back then. And Kip Winger is one of them. And I remember asking him about his debut album in 88. And I said, what are your memories of doing that album? And he said, well, the one memory I have is why the hell did I sing it so high? Because it's so hard to do it now. <laughs> That's exactly right. I um, if, Since there's only probably three, probably three songs we'll play off of there in the new band, you know, it's cool. I basically, I basically can hit everything, but to do that whole album. See, when we were out with, we were out with Brittany before I, I had to do a bunch of shows in a row to be able to get myself conditioned to be able to do that. It takes everything you got. And the last bunch of times we played, it was one offs and with months in between. And I, I just, I, I can't stay up on that kind of, uh, that kind of vocal uh, without doing it over and over. If we were out playing, you know, several nights a week and we're out on tour for a couple of months, I could totally hang with it. But it's something, it's like rolling out of bed and trying to run the marathon. You know, it's like really got to be conditioned to do it. So I can do it, but I can't do it cold, like with months in between. It's just too much, you know. Was it easy singing um, the Dean stuff? Did you find any of those songs hard to, to do yourself? No, because at the time, see, what Dean did was, which was smarter than than me, when he wrote his tunes for those first two records, he had verses that were lower, that were sung lower. When when we did Bite Down Hard, the whole damn thing was sung high, verses and choruses. So 
I really carved out a, a pain, big pain in the ass. <laughs> you know, but de- deans were deans were easier because you got a little break from from the high screamy stuff during some of the verses. So um, no, his stuff's easier to sing probably than the shit on Bike Down Hard for me. Yeah, yeah. Is there any songs on Bite Down Hard that you never did live, either solo or with Britney, that you'd love to do now? Um, I, no, we've done them all live. Oh, you've um, done them all, okay. Yeah, as far as I remember. Yeah, I, I'll i still do some. I'll still do... There's some on there that I would like to always do, even in my, in my solo band, you know, like three or four of them. But... Um, yeah, we've we've done them all live, as far as I can tell. Yeah, well, my I'll tell you my favorite song on the record is "Liar." Oh, right on. Yeah, I, I love yeah, your I, like I love your singing on that. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. It's a cool stomp. Yeah, yeah. So, listen, I'm going to leave you go. You've given me uh, plenty time, and it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. And thanks for doing you this. Too, thanks for doing this album. I've loved it for thirty years. Hey, no problem. I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Yeah, all right. So have a good rest of the day. And when your new record comes out, I might swing back around and maybe have you on, help you promote that. That'd be great, Richie. I would I would truly appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Right, well, have a good rest of the day. Thanks for talking to me. All right, cheers. All right, take care. Bye. All right, Metalheads, that will wrap up our doubleheader throwback episode on Brittany Fox's Bite Down Hard. And that also will wrap up this week's episode of Focus on Metal. And guess what? I actually know what we're going to do for next week. And it's going to be, I think, a Focus on Metal first. That we are going to have a doubleheader followed by another doubleheader. Got a great guest next week you guys are going to all want to hear from. And that is concert promoter Danny Zalisco, who's got his brand new book out called All Excess. And i give you any indication of how that's going to go. In the word excess, the last two letters aren't really S's, they're dollar signs. So Richie spent over two hours on the phone with Danny the other night, and that is what we are going to be bringing to you right here next week. But for this week, that's it. There ain't no more stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great Metal Week. Be safe out there. And as always... Remember, focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.